Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, where we're continuing our conversation with the delightful Fagy Cobre from New York City. There's a concept called divergent thinking, uh, Fagy, and it's a famous experiment. They gave uh, a bunch of five-year-olds uh, a paper clip and a shoe and asked them to come up with as many different uses for those as they could. Well, genius-level divergent thinking is coming up with over 200 uses. And at the five-year-olds, 98% of them could come up with over 200 uses. Some of them were, of course. Uh, very, Ridiculous. Very, very, very <laughs> of course. But they still came up with them. And they, uh-huh. test, they tested those same children when they were 10 years old. And 32% had genius-level divergent thinking. They tested them again when they were 15 years old. 12% had genius level divergent thinking. And that 200,000 adults were tested, 2% had genius level divergent thinking. Now, genius level divergent thinking is not being able to do quadratic equations in your head. Right. Uh, it's, it's what you're talking about, creativity. And that creativity, it seems to have been somehow uh, extracted from people. He talks about how the educational system was created for the industrial um, society. Everything had to be very, very um, linear and very, very um, exact. And they never switched it. I'll tell you the truth also. It's much harder to be a a creative teacher to allow uh, kids to really be creative. It's, it's easier to just, okay, this is my lesson and everybody has to learn the same thing. Uh, the, the kind of art that I do, I'm an elementary school art teacher. As I said, I'm, I'm going to, I do a program called tab. It's called teaching for artistic behavior. And it's a choice based Mm. program. I discovered this on Facebook a few years back. So I'm teaching 10 years. It's my sixth year doing this. And it's, it's, it's a choice based program. The kids are doing Drawing, painting, collage, construction with cardboard, um, you know, uh, fiber arts. And it's funny because the kids sometimes will ask me if I could draw something for them. And I say, no, I can't. What do you mean you're an art teacher? (laughs) I I call myself an art facilitator because that's really what I'm doing. Like if a kid wants to draw something, I'll find them something to copy. I have reference books for them to look at. And I'm helping them. I don't need to teach them how to draw something because it's not my thing. It's, you know, it's, it's just helping the kids be creative and get, you know, the most out of it. And if only that's the way education were run, we'd have a very different society. Okay, one minute. I made a mistake. It's not Sir Ted Robinson. It's Sir Ken. Okay. And sir, he was knighted. That's why he's sir. And he's, his whole thing is, um, does do schools kill creativity? I think that was the name of the famous um, TED talk. It's Sir Ken Robinson. Sorry. Well, Fergie, I heard a quote about a describe the best teacher is one who tells you where to look, but doesn't tell you what to see. Yeah. Get kids to think. You know, that's why we don't, we, you know, that's why so many adults are so stuck and can't think and can't change because we're, you know, you when we we when we spoke, you were telling me about people that just have such a hard time changing, because they were always taught just follow the rules, do everything this way. If you were never taught to try to be flexible and to change, it's very hard. So how do 
did you deal with that disconnect between you have a number of children and you teaching your children and encouraging them to question things and be creative and have imagination versus the school system that they were in they were in right so in. it's funny it's funny because um on one hand i i realized very early on that i'm not going to really have that much control and i said to myself faggy relax do what you can at home and just like because it you could get crazy and i knew i can do it in my own classroom I gave my kids a lot of art. Um, my grandchildren, I have a whole basement full of art supplies. They they love to come and do art with me. Um, and, and I just did what, and, and I was speaking to one of my daughters about, she was asking me, what, like, how do I make sure? I said, just, you have to just give them a lot at home. Um, you know, grandparents can do that, fill in and just, and make them feel good about what they're doing and there's just so much control you have the it's it is really not that much there are these like the school the graduate school that i went to bank street also has a school it's like a lab sort of so there's a graduate school and then they have the school from three-year-olds up to a like 14 year olds or something and you you really you go and you see what you're learning about being played out in the school you know and being able to go to a stool like that, it costs about a gazillion dollars <laughs> and, you know, and they don't accept everybody. So that's like the most amazing education. If only I had had that, if only I could have given that to my kids, but it's really not for everybody. So unfortunately we just have to do what we can on the outset. And what I'm doing with adults is I'm trying to get them like this micro course that I have on my, uh, on my site it's really trying to take people back to their childhood. There was a book years ago um, that I read by John Bradshaw, The Healing the Inner Child. Yes. Right? So this is this is like healing your inner creativity. When you're able to go back and do the stuff you weren't allowed to as a kid, it really heals. There was a it famous really book. helps. There was a famous book that Bradshaw wrote. It's called Healy, Healing the Shame That Binds You. Did he also write Healing the Inner Child? Or I'm just, I'm, or I'm mixing. I'm not it up. familiar with that one, but I know okay, he that's wrote what a book I yeah. about that. So how right. did so how did you break out of the template form of education in your own oh. life? Oh well, I was a lousy student. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they didn't know about they didn't know about ADHD when I was a kid. But the funny thing is, is uh, you know nobody that in school would have ever said that I was least, you know, I was the most likely to have an education, but I got my master's degree without having taken one test <laughs> because it was all papers and, and that I was able to do. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, I've always just like done, I'm, my parents were, were pretty, um, they, they let me kind of do my thing. I got into photography when I was a young kid. I had a, in a dark room in my basement, you know, my mother let me, you know, put all my chemicals and all this stuff around. I'd yell up, close the door. You know, if they were opening it up because any light would ruin the, um, the picture that was coming out on the paper. I, I, I just kind of did my own thing. Um, I, you know, I, you know, I, 
took courses, whatever. I, I have a lot of interests. It's interesting because they find that a lot of times people with ADD, it's interesting because like I was terrible in school, but if I find something that interests me, like when I got into internet marketing, I was watching the most boring technical videos <laughs> and my kids were fascinated how I would just sit there and watch them for hours because it interests me. I have a lot of interests and I follow those interests. And I think interests are so important, especially as we age. It really, it really, it, it's good for your mind. It keeps your mind more elastic. Well, it sounds like your parents didn't stifle creativity. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, they didn't, I didn't, they didn't send me to, they, it, it wasn't so available at that time, like all kinds of classes and stuff, but whatever I was interested in, they, I remember even when I got interested in photography, I had a neighbor that wanted to sell me a camera, an expensive camera. So I went to a friend of my dad's who was into photography and he said, you know, that's not such a good camera. I, I want, I have a really good camera I want you to buy. And this was $125 and that was like a fortune in those days. And, you know, I went home and I begged my parents, I'll pay you back if you loan me the money. And, and they did, they took that leap of faith. And they loaned me the money and I bought it. And I started taking pictures of all my friends and charging a dollar a picture <laughs> and going babysitting. And I, and I made that back, back that money pretty quickly. So they really did um, allow me my, you know, my interests. Well, this, the society that we live in seems to have this negative connotation about failure. And failure just means you found something that didn't work. Right, like Edison, right? Yes, we talk about that frequently. I found a thousand things that didn't work, sir. Right. Uh, There's a book by a fellow named John Maxwell. It's a self-improvement, a self-development book. It's called Failing Forward. Ah. And he, he just, he, I read it a very long time ago, but he talks about, you know, how important it is to fail. Well, we've you know? always discussed that the only way you can fail is if you quit trying. That, right, right. That's a different kind of failure because people think they're gonna, they're gonna not gonna try, so they don't fail, and they don't realize it's just think like Edison. It's just one way something doesn't work. Like even in art, okay, you don't like that, good. So paint over it. What's gonna happen? <laughs> you know, it's not. It's back to that product, product. You know, the product society. Exactly. We need something to look perfect. It needs to be a product. So when I was reading your blog over, you talked about this myth of perfectionism that holds people back. Right. Because I, I think it boils down to the fact that we need a product, the product versus the process. So, you know, you'll find very often like online when I was back in the early childhood art world, you have the crafts people who have hundreds of websites finding crafts for the holidays and, and different things. And then you have the process oriented people and they're the ones who just give the kids the different materials and different activities to explore. And they're not inculcating them with the idea that things have to be perfect. You know, also standardized testing shows us that we need to get a hundred. That's perfect. And art is, it, is the same thing. You know, you have all these paint nights. They're very popular, right? And yes, what is it? Yes. Everybody sits in a room and you have one painting and the teacher does the same 
painting for everybody, but it has to look like something. It's not, you know, it, it's funny. I'm in the middle of taking as a, a well-known um, painter, an artist. I think his name is Nicholas Wilton. I'm in the middle of taking, he, he launches this big course every year, but he gives a lot of pre- um, you know, he does these videos teaching you concepts and I'm in the middle of watching them because it's just so fascinating. And he teaches you some really great con concepts, but it's not about perfection. It's about, let's say variety. You, you want to do shapes, do a big one and a small one and a medium to add interest, but it's not about making the apple. Like years ago, I had a, a I invited people in my neighborhood to come look to see if they wanted to join my class. So I had all ages. I had teenagers and I had a woman who was, at the time she was in her 60s, she was extremely frustrated after my class. She, I was doing all these like relaxed kind of art and she was like scribbling very hard. She said, I thought you were going to teach us how to make an apple. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wanted to know how to make something because the world she grew up in, that, that's what art is. Art is something. Art is not for product process, it's for product. And I think people can get out of their perfectionism if they learn to, let's say, let's say they want to get into just painting. They can Google color schemes, right? And they could say, okay, that's a nice color scheme. I'm going to get paints in that color. They can go to Walmart and pick up for 50 cents the apple barrel paints. And they can just paint stripes or circles in those colors it's going to look beautiful because you're using the right color scheme and you're just putting the colors together and it doesn't have to be perfect because it doesn't matter. You're not trying to get the apple or the chair or whatever it is. Well, my hope is that all of our listeners and the people who view this can get a sense of the passion in your voice and in your face that I'm, that I'm feeling. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I just, I, I just, it's, it's a gift that I wish everybody would grab onto because it's available for everybody. Like I say, it's not fair. It's not art is not just for artists, and it, and it's really not fair that artists have cornered the market. Art is for everyone, hmm. and people should not say, I, I, you know, just like some people, they'll only listen to music, right? They're not going to try to play music that and some people with art, they just want to go to museums. They just want to look at art. This is something else. Even though there are plenty of people that do musical therapy and, and talk about how enhancing that is for your mental health also, but I don't really know enough about it, but art. So there's, there's the, you know, there's the professionals and these, the museums, and then there's using art for healing, get back into your childhood, get those sensory feelings, create art, move on. There's hundreds of different art forms that you can get involved in once you get rid of your perfectionistic tendencies. Well, we lose that beginner's mind somewhere along. The, we often talk about in my world, an expert's mind, which is like a racehorse with blinders on it. They can do one thing and do it well, but without right. any exploring any possibilities where the wonder of a three or four year old child that sees things that's just amazed every time they look at something. I have a nine year old granddaughter, a seven year old grandson and a four year old granddaughter. And they love to give me their paintings or their drawings. <laughs> yeah. And they love this. They love to show them uh -huh. to me. And I love to, and I love to put them up and I love to look at them. Uh huh. But yeah. They're so proud of what they do. Right. 
I think that's 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 amazing. So tell me how what type of nurturing you did with your children to encourage their creativity, where at school a lot of times we're learning by rote. So I really did a lot of the same things that I'm teaching in this micro course. There's you know I there's these okay the alcohol links is the newest, but there's acrylic paints. Just to let I used to teach my kids how to mix colors and just to paint. I would give them. I would buy um, uh, rolls of shelving paper, rolls of shelving paper, and give them very, especially in the nice weather outdoors, and let them just paint. Then you have, um, that's acrylic paint. You have watercolors. You could work with watercolors. Um, in this micro course, I have little examples, I, little videos showing you how to get started. And then there's doodling. Doodling could be done with crayons, with markers, with so many that that's you you go to the art supply stores there's like hundreds and hundreds of different types of markers and and pens and then collage collage is is a lot of fun it's ripping papers it's cutting papers it's magazines it's shapes and then i have this new thing is alcoholing i'll just happen to have something over here this is i don't know if you can see the colors yes very much um, so very very vivid colors vibrant, so yeah yeah alcoholings is very very vibrant and it's not so controllable, which is also great for people that are trying to get rid of their perfectionistic tendencies. But really, anything that, let's say, if I whatever I have on my micro course can be used for kids too. If people want to do it with their kids, with their grandkids, it's not. It's certainly not just for adults because I'm trying to take you back to your childhood. So you can create together with your kids and your grandkids. You must have been the cool mom. <laughs> Now I'm a cool grandmom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I would. I have a hunch that's what the that's what your grandchildren tell their friends. Well, sometimes my kids tell me I'm crazy. You know, you know, ma. <laughs> Nobody else would do that. Okay, come on, kids, let's go downstairs. We're gonna paint. Or <laughs> that must have been exciting, and I'm sure that's part of the uh, allure and attraction that your husband saw in you, this vibrant, vivacious woman <laughs> who was full of life and spirit. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, that's that's obvious. It's it's comes right through the the waves to us. Absolutely, we're just absolutely delightful. So, thank you. <laughs> uh, and I and I sincerely mean that. So, when someone says, "Wow, this stuff sounds really great," what do I do next? So, aside from going to my course, my micro course, creativityreignited.com, and just sign up for my micro course, you'll get a a page, you'll be on my list, you'll get a page that has the little the videos, you could get started that way. If you don't want that, you just have to, um, you can Google expressive art. Um, you can just go out and buy some paintbrushes and some watercolor pan watercolors or some acrylic, acrylic paint. But it probably is a good idea to start by getting this micro course of mine because I just show you what the materials are for you to start. And you could get a book. What I, I strongly suggest is to start to get like an art journal. I have, this is one of my art journals. It's uh, they're the Canson. You could get them in different sizes. I, I usually use the nine by 12s. This is a smaller one. And that way, when you have your book, you're not having canvases floating around that you don't know what to do with. Um, it dries, you close it, 
nobody has to see it. You don't have to feel uncomfortable. You don't like it. You just paint or color over on top of it. You could take it with you anywhere. And it, it's really, it's a great, it's a great thing to key. It's a, it's very contained. So I, I strongly suggest, you know, people that want to get into this, do it within, in, it's called a mixed media art journal because it has thicker papers and it's, um, it can take some of the heavier materials like paint, not just markers. And, and that, that's a great way to get started. Get yourself a Canson mixed media book. And if you really don't like something in there, you can rip it out. <laughs> that's, uh, that's beautiful. So a lot of times people have a failure to launch type of attitude. And I often tell them, they say, well, I can't start this paper. I say, well, if you just put your fingers down on a keyboard and start moving your fingers, you've started. So how do you have somebody that says, well, I don't know how to draw. I can't do it. How do you, how do you just have them give them some freedom to, or suggest that you, they have the freedom just to put their hands on something and make it move? Well, first of all, that people should know that fear of the blank page is is very universal, and it's not just with people who can't draw. It's lots of artists have it also, um, and so I would suggest after you buy this book, just buy three primary colors: red, yellow, and blue, and start painting shapes. Just start painting. Make stripes. Make shapes. One page of circles. One page of uh, squares, one page of rectangles, one page of stripes. Just get yourself into the into the feeling. Here, I have a brush here. There's nothing like just dipping that paint, that brush into the paint and moving it on the paper. Try it. It's really a very low barrier entry. It's not expensive. The book isn't expensive. The paints aren't expensive. You get some Crayola paintbrushes. Or else you could start with doodling. Just start with some doodling activities. In this micro course, I actually have um, I have a sheet. You know, sometimes if I'll start doodling, I'll make shapes and I want to doodle inside. I say, mm, what shape should I put in there? So I um, I have a sheet with 30 different doodles that you can download. It's part of the micro course. And then you could just make shapes and start doodling in there. I think if somebody is interested enough, this is, this is easy enough to, to you know, it's relaxing. It is really relaxing. If you're stressed, you had a hard day, you had a difficult phone call with someone, take out your book, take out your paints or your markers and just draw, just paint. You will see a major difference. This sounds like something that could be adapted and introduced into many settings. I'm thinking, of course, of early elementary schools. I'm thinking of people in uh, nursing homes. I oh yeah, would be fascinated, and so they could participate in something. Right. And this may be a little uh, off, but I'm thinking uh, prisons. Oh, yes, art therapy. Art therapy is used in prisons. It's used in nursing homes. It's used with people that went through trauma. Now, in order to be an art therapist, you have to have training in art and in therapy. Yes. So it can't be so. Like sometimes I'll say I use art as therapy, but you know, but it's as a therapeutic thing, but it's not art therapy because that's a whole different ball game, but it's definitely, it's, it's an, a, an amazing medium to, you know, to get people to open up and to put out the trauma and what they've been through, you know, onto paper. So, you know, 
Definitely. I, I know someone, I know a woman who used to be an art therapist. She used to work in prisons. Ah, okay. So I'm really fascinated by what you have to do. And normally what we do, Faggy, is uh, maybe six, eight, nine months from now, maybe even next year at this time, uh, we like to revisit our friends on this show and find out where they're at and how their journey's been going. Okay. We sure. always we always enjoy that, and if we ever get to New York City, uh, mm -hmm. perhaps we might stop and say hello. And that's sure. a that's a warning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, I consider myself warned. <laughs> the producer of the show, Mike, and I yeah. occasionally we like to make some uh, road trips. Uh huh. To, okay. To Let see, me know to see where we're at. So, and once again, should a person be interested in? Uh, contacting you or your website or finding out more information, could you let us know how you do that? And we'll certainly post your links and information on the show. Right. So my website is creativityreignited.com. If anybody wants to email me, I'm Faggy, F-A-I-G-I-E, at creativityreignited.com. Um, I actually, I am, I am on social media. I haven't been there lately because it's, it's, it was in my, um, alcohol link era. So I might get back to that, but it's uh, at creative alcohol linking, uh, on both Instagram and Facebook. I just haven't been there much lately. Okay. Very, very, very nice. Well, Feggy, as we promised before, at the end of every program, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television, and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait and do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. If we're all not God's children, none of us are God's children. Till all of us are free, none of us are free. Be good to yourself, my friends. Namaste. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.